Welcome to devmode.fm, a podcast dedicated to the tools, techniques, and technologies used in modern web development. I'm Andrew Welch from NY Studio 107. I'm Michael Rogg from Top Shelf Craft. I'm Jonathan Melville from MDD in Atlanta. And today we're talking to Phil Zangel of Zangel Corp. How are you doing, Phil? I, I'm doing really well. Nice. And we're here to talk about Laravel. I'm sure pretty much everyone <clears throat> in the web Lar- development Laravel. Laravel. Is it Laravel? Laravel. Now, why is it Laravel as opposed to Laravel? Is it an I, invented word? I, uh, no, I think I think the origins actually have something to do with um, C.S. Lewis and the Chronicles of Narnia. Really? But I, I yeah, I, because if you look at the naming for a lot of the original Laravel packages, um, it throws back to that. I don't know where the I can't. Remember, I haven't read all those books in a long time, so I don't know whether it's. I that's just how people say it in the know, and I try to fit in and. Yeah, I want so, you to fit so, in too. So Paravel is the name of a castle uh, ah. where where the the uh, kings and queens of Narnia live, and so I think that's I think it's Laravel just because it rhymes with Paravel. But isn't Paravel an invented word too? So we don't yeah, know. It could be Paravel. We, we do know how it's pronounced. We do. How do we yeah. know that? Because C.S. Lewis told us. Okay. Yeah, I'm 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 putting my faith in you that he actually told us. But anyway, let's stop being pedantic about uh, Laravel. What is it, Phil? Oh boy! All right. So so Laravel is a PHP framework. It's a modern PHP framework, which I think um, most people uh, will be happy about. It doesn't it doesn't have any of the old throwbacks to like Cake PHP or, or Code Igniter. It's it's very modern, fresh. I think the recommended version is seven dot one right now. I don't. It definitely doesn't work on five dot six. At least uh, Laravel five. Um, but yeah, modern PHP framework build stuff. And, and you at Zengel Corp, you you use Craft CMS. You use some mm-hmm. other CMSs, and you also build custom. Laravel apps. So tell me, when would you be using a Laravel app instead of a CMS or some other tool? Oh, that, that's the million dollar question. I mean, we actually use them in tandem sometimes. So we have an app right now, which is um, the front end is all Nuxt, which is you view and view X and a whole bunch of other stuff. And for the marketing site of the application, that's all craft CMS with uh, the GraphQL or CraftQL. Um, and then the core of the application is a Laravel GraphQL API. So for us, it's it's when when the functionality starts to feel not like just content management and just CRUD. You know, uh, CMSs are designed for creating, reading, updating, and deleting things primarily. Then you have other stuff on top of that. But anytime there's there's some complex business logic, we tend to, to look towards Laravel. And you do that out of necessity or out of performance or just being able to deliver the the custom functionality that the the uh, client desires? Or um, it, I think all of the above a little bit. You know, when, when we're evaluating something like this, um, the primary factors are what's the duration uh, that this project needs to live. What kind of growth are is the client expecting to see from it? Are we expecting to see from it? What are the 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 kind of gotchas uh, that that we're looking for as we do project discovery and looking at like you know what are the complex components? Is this easily going to fit within a CMS or are we going to quickly outgrow it? We are really really big into testing, so we do we do a lot of unit testing and integration testing. And up until Craft three, that was that was much more difficult to do with Craft. So. Um, for, the, for that reason alone, we would very often say this needs to be a Laravel project and, and we're going to unit test it that way. Yeah, I have I have mixed feelings about unit testing. 
And it's not because there's anything wrong with unit testing. It's just the fact that I've seen a lot of unit testing that has been implemented just to say that we did unit testing. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, yep. like, oh, if I add two to this thing, the expected result is this, you know? Yeah. I mean, you can always return true at the back of a test and then you'll have you'll have green lights along the way. Right. Well, I, I've seen it in some companies that I've worked with where it's a requirement that mm-hmm. makes them feel better, I guess. But a lot of the unit tests are useless. Yeah. But that is not to say that unit testing in general is useless. So what do you what do you use it for? Just to validate that everything is functioning the way that your your app is intended to function? Yeah, we so so um actually I I'm not I'm not the best person on our team to talk about this. Jesse Shoot, who's a senior developer on our team, he he's the one who really drives and um, monitors the unit testing we implement. His philosophy like we are not one of those pe- those shops that brags about 100% coverage. That's that's kind of silly in my opinion. Right. But um we test the things that need to be tested. And so, you know, ensuring that when you're doing some kind of complex um, insert, right? Like you you mock the insert, you up, you run through, and then you go test and make sure that that query had the affected results. And normally it's not a query. Normally you're using service classes to implement, a, do a whole bunch of stuff. And then we assert that certain rows changed and things like that. So yeah, not full test coverage by any means, but we test the test the bits that are going to break, that, that are high value. And then after we deploy a project, anytime we find a bug, we'll write a unit test around that bug to verify that it was fixed. And so when we're, um, when we're reviewing uh, a, a code fix, I can look at the code that was changed to, to correct the issue, but I also can look at the unit test that's going to describe the issue and verify that it was fixed. Yeah, and that, that sounds completely reasonable. And it sounds like a lot of the cases that you're using Laravel for are kind of mission-critical corporate API-ish stuff. Is that Does that sound about right? Yeah, it, it tends to be bigger than like one-off, uh, one-off little processes. You know, a lot. All, whenever you we're using Laravel, like we're pushing a ton of stuff to queues that then are handled by daemons and workers and all that. So, yeah, mm-hmm. it's it's more it's moving moving fair amounts, of, fairly large amounts of data and processing fairly complicated things. So you're you're implementing a whole lot of backend, yes, server side app ish stuff with it. Have you ever or would you ever build a full on website using Laravel? Laravel, <clears throat> Laravel, uh, Laravel, uh, Taylor Otwell, giver of birth to Laravel. Um, he released Nova a while ago or at Laracon in Chicago, which has uh, kind of some create, read, update, delete kind of interface, you know, add an interface things. Really, I if it was a marketing site, no, I would always go to something like Craft, um, just because they're going. Craft is going to maintain it. You have st- you have you know SEO Matic and all that type of stuff, which you really need for a, a performant front end. You could certainly build a CMS based application, and I mean there are CMSs that are built in Laravel. You know, Statomic is built in Laravel. October CMS is built in Laravel. All, all good CMSs, but. Yeah, you know, if it comes, really, if it's a CMS project, we're going to use a CMS. And for us, that's either Statomic or Craft. Right. So you want that extra CMS layer and and what it gives you on top. And so Nova Nova is essentially allows you to create custom admin panels. Why don't you tell everyone a little bit about that? Because I think Nova is kind of interesting because a lot of people were looking at it and be like, hmm, you know, maybe maybe I could use this in place of a, a CMS for some things that I'm doing. Yeah, no, Nova is Nova is great. And we've started using Nova a lot just for like the super admin dashboards. Really, I don't think we'll ever have an app where the primary user 
is interacting with Nova. And so when we're building a piece of software, like we have the the front end, which uh, the users are interacting with. Those are like the, the customers of the application. And then you have the admin who are normally our client and then there's us. And so the admin would be using Nova. Nova is a, I think it's a Vuex application, and but it's, it's Laravel and Vuex. And so it gives you this really nice way where you can scaffold out really, really quickly CRUD you know, um, and a whole bunch of listing views and search views and all that kind of stuff. So when it comes to managing the data that happens in an application, it's really nice and really Mm -hmm. fast. Well, I have a whole number of other questions for you, but I want to just ping the uh, other hosts that are on here uh, real quick and get their experience with Laravel. So Michael, what is your experience with Laravel? Have you ever, well, I, I guess I'll, I'll give mine first. So I have played around with Laravel in local dev. I have looked at a couple of projects that other people have done using Laravel, uh, but that's it. Um, I have not actually deployed any kind of mission critical app using it. Michael, what is your experience with it? I'm a big fan of, of Laravel. Um, we have actually built both static websites and applications and APIs using Laravel. Back sort of in, in what I consider to be the early days of Laravel, we did a couple projects where we just kind of needed to stand up a really quick static website that didn't need any like, content management functionality. We just like needed to build a website really quick and actually found that, that sort of just the base Laravel and, and the Blade templating system allowed us to to spin up some some simple sites really quickly, um, so that's one of the spectrum. And then and then we've we've built uh, full scale apps with with Laravel, and we've done some API ish stuff with Lumen, which is sort of like the slimmed down version of of Laravel using you know sort of a, a subset of the components. And and we've we've done some kind of thin API stuff that way. I'm with. With Phil, we tend to use Craft when there is a CMS needed, and we tend to use Laravel when the thing that we're building just feels more CRUD-centered. A lot of times, the vast majority of my Laravel projects are data collectors and data processors and just sort of, you know, projects that are forming the glue between you know integrations between systems or you know apps that go ping a bunch of different APIs at some interval and collect some data and process it and then make it available you know m- make some derivative data set available as an API like just sort of i guess more utility esque okay. stuff but um but yeah i mean it's it's just a beautiful it's it's really uh sort of a, a beautiful set of syntaxes and APIs that that let us stand that kind of stuff up really quickly and in just ways that feel like we're writing elegant adult modern code so so really really nice to really nice to work with okay and I, I've got some questions related to that that I will circle back to but um, I want to get Jonathan in here as well. Jonathan, what are your what is your experience with Laravel and any thoughts that you might have on it? Yeah, so my experience with Laravel. So um, I'm currently on a podcast right now where we're talking about Laravel. <laughs> that's kind of it. That's kind of the extent of it. Um, well, that's good though. Yeah, no, I mean, I I think that I'm familiar with Laravel. I know what it is. I have never actually built a project where I've utilized Laravel. 
I think I've probably pushed the limits of what something like a craft CMS can do. I mean, you can get away with quite a bit of business logic just within, you know, creating your own plugin or something like that. That's tended tends to be my strategy. Um, but I haven't come up against a project yet where that just would not be the right way to go. Yeah, that's actually a, a perfect segue. So Phil, it, it sounds like on the front end, you're primarily using Vue to interact with things, which is fantastic. I love Vue. And I love that you're using GraphQL. I mean, the, the stack that you just described is kind of like my my dream. That's what I want to use for every project that I do. Uh, the question I have really revolves around why are we using Laravel Paravel? Laravel in addition <laughs> in addition to these technologies. So if you're already using Vue on the front end and you're already embracing JavaScript and all that stuff, why not just write whatever API-ish stuff that you have in Node.js, stick it on AWS Lambda and just be uh-huh. done with it? Uh, you got me. I got you. I'm just, I'm, I'm just kidding. <laughs> yeah, I mean that 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 uh, we we have had very serious internal conversations about you know do we want to just go full stack JS because that would make sense. You know, I think I think of everything as a tool, and Laravel is just a tool, Craft is a tool. It's it's all just a tool in our toolbox. And right now, there is certainly a, a pretty healthy uh, ecosystem and market for work around Laravel, and we enjoy the tool. You know, as soon as as soon as the tool starts to get boring or feel a little heavier or, or whatever, um, we'll start seriously looking at another product. But until we feel that pain, we're we're most likely not going to completely change. Now, like I said before, we're working on some Nux stuff right now, which is very node heavy. So yeah, it, it's um until we have a really really good reason to change, um, I don't think we will. And from a business perspective, you know. I don't like having all of our eggs in one basket. We all know JavaScript is not going anywhere, but being able to say we're also a Laravel shop and a PHP shop in addition to, you know, Vue and Node and, you know, whatever else is is pretty valuable. So I've had the opposite experience in that I've had some companies and and this may be just that the uh, the CTOs are out of touch or they've either never used PHP or they haven't used it in a decade. Um, but I've had people say that they don't want to do anything using PHP. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I was kind of flummoxed when I've heard this because I was like, have you looked around? Like PHP is actually pretty awesome now. It's not like it was in the, you know, the 90s. Have you ever run into that? Any resistance to, hey, we're building this, you know, needs to be bulletproof backend yep. in PHP? Yeah, I mean, we we run. I've run into that quite a bit, um, particularly from the West Coast. You know, all yep. the startups they yeah. they want Rails, Python, Node, right? Like that's Rails. Those are still those doing Rails. Oh, people still like Rails. Yeah, yeah. It's new to me. I didn't know. The, the yeah. Valley loves Rails. <laughs> yep. They, I thought the know. Valley was was Node and JavaScript one hundred percent of the time. It was almost like nobody using Rails. Huh. Yeah. Anyway, continue, yeah, we, Phil. I'm we, sorry. we, we, ju- we, I, I just looked at an RFP the other day, um, for a startup and it was, they wanted, it was either Rails, Python or Node. I can't, what was the question? Have you oh, ever run into yeah. any friction or static from companies that you're working with that say, oh, you're going to build it in PHP. We don't want that. It's not secure. It's not modern, blah, blah, blah. I've never, I mean, we, we've definitely had pushback on PHP. Um, normally when we start to have pushback around tools, uh, that's when we have the conversation. Well, why are you interested in working with us? Are you interested in working right. us with us because I know how to use a specific type of hammer, or do you want to work with us because we produce good work? It should be because we want to, we produce good work. And, and so, you know, really quickly, I either realize that 
the client is going to be way overly controlling. You know, if they're dictating the tech stack, and I'm happy to have a conversation about any tech stack, but if they're dictating stuff like that um, out of the gate and they're normally dictating other things, that's probably a red flag and we're not going to be a good fit for them. Yeah, I, I totally agree because I, I think one of the reasons to hire someone like me or your company is for our advice. And you present the problem and we will present what we think the best technical solutions are for it. And dictating the language that's going to be used to build it from the get-go seems it definitely could be a warning flag. Yeah, the the yeah. only the only times I've seen real validity is when they have an internal dev team that doesn't right. have the bandwidth to build sure. something. And at that point in time, we really just need to make sure that we're we're compatible. And if we're not and they need node, well then, you know, I can tell them who knows node um or or whatever language they're looking for. But a lot of the time I like I feel like PHP had a really really bad rap like 5 years ago. It's right. gotten a lot better. Oh, it's I mean, amazing. Yeah. yeah. In in corporate land, you still have the dot net, the dot net kind of entrenched mentality where everyone wants Microsoft. Um, mm-hmm. But aside from that, like I, I haven't really experienced that much pushback around PHP recently. Yeah. I mean, I've seen it where there have been requirements that they're OK with it being written in Go. They're OK with it being written maybe in JavaScript or dot net. And then that's it. <laughs> you know? Yeah. And that's it. It's so many it's funny because so many times the person who put that spec together was just another contractor and they literally were like well here are the three languages we know yeah or <laughs> so, or it's I've, I've seen people that are just and this happens sometimes well you're, you'll have someone in a cto-ish role that they're they're a little bit out of touch with the development community and they're like oh net is always a safe choice go is fine because it comes from google and then everything else, they're like, mm, I don't really trust it. And it's really lack of experience that's kind of kind of speaking there. Um, but to, to that end, I also have seen a lot of companies, especially on the West Coast, that are really, really super embracing Node. And I know that I, I sort of asked you this before, but I'm going to attack at it again. If we're using Laravel primarily for an, an app-ish thing that runs on the back end, it, it really seems like if you're already using JavaScript on the front end, like Node running on Lambda would be amazing. But if you are super good at Laravel, it totally makes sense to use that instead, right? Yeah, and I, and I think that's kind of where we've netted out. You know, we're we're at the point where if we were to make a switch to Node, I'd probably be looking at three to four months of pretty significant ramp up time before we're, oh, yeah. we're pretty proficient. Yeah. And so, you know, we're, we're, we're dipping our toes into, um, into the waters of a couple different ecosystems here. But uh, like I said, you know, we, we do get a fair amount of people saying, Hey, we want Laravel. And we're like, Oh, well, if you want what we're selling, then <laughs> <laughs> that's good. <laughs> well, let's be friends. Um, yeah, exactly. so yeah, no, it, it does make sense. Um, I mean, l- like you said with Firebase, you can just throw JavaScript at pretty much anything and you know, yeah. there you go. So I, I don't have a super compelling reason. Uh, the, o- the only reason not to go JS these days, uh, at least for um, for some, is that, well, actually, no, with, with things like Heroku, we just deployed an app on Heroku, and mm. it was like two minutes. You know, it used to be that PHP had a pretty big advantage in terms of deployment, but now uh, it's, it's not so much. Yeah, and again, you could just put it up on lambda like it it can just run as it runs you don't even need a server yep Yep. well i I think that a really good compelling reason is that you folks are incredibly good at laravel right 
Because yeah. if, if someone is a master at using a certain tool, why would I tell them to use something else if they can produce the desired result? Right. Yeah, exactly. It's like we, we've invested so much into into getting good and proficient at Laravel. And, you know, at this point, it's like when we, when there's one of those gotchas that come up, we can identify that in a few minutes rather than a few hours. And if we switch to node, you know, that that learning experience is going to happen again. Um, and not that, you know, like I said, we are definitely looking at um, at node for for some new projects. Um, we just have we're, we're I, I don't think we're going to draw the line in the sand that says now we're a node shop anytime soon. Right. I think I think there's some some before some planning and some aftercare aspects for like the PHP value prop as well. Like for us, um, there there are frequently applications that we could just as easily build the specific business logic of some application in JavaScript or in PHP, and it doesn't really matter. But we'll go towards PHP because we have already invested in some internal libraries that we can just sort of rope in by composer uh, and get a, a jump start and provide some some cost savings to our client in that way and we haven't had a chance or an opportunity to like invest in building those same libraries for javascript and they don't exist out in the wild and so there's there's an advantage there because somebody else has already solved part of the problem in php in a way that is not as elegantly or as testably or whatever solved in javascript uh, and and sometimes it goes the other way right and then a lot of times on the other side we'll find ourselves inching towards php in cases where meh the dev cost for the actual thing is is the same in terms of time and dollars between different stacks but we feel like the overall cost of ownership of that project on a php stack is going to be less over time and the devops problems will be you know easier to manage or the client's team that's going to be managing it in the future is is more capable devops wise on a php stack like there's lots of reasons to to go towards php even if you could build the thing just as easily in javascript like there's there's some ancillary value that comes from just how established PHP is. And it could go, you know, the opposite way. If a client was like, everyone on our team knows Node and is really good at DevOps around JavaScript hosting. Fine. Then great. That so so I think that it's not just about building the thing. It's about looking at like the total cost of ownership right. for for that client in that context. Yeah, and if you've if you've been building anything for any length of time, you get really good at the techniques and tools and technologies. You see how I brought that all back in? That <laughs> that is beautiful. That, that, thank you. That surround that thing, right? And then whenever I have moved to like a different stack in one way or another. So for instance, Phil, you just started using uh, or you just started using Nux, but you've been using Vue on the front end. But whenever you kind of shift that, you have to figure out, okay, all of this stuff that I used to accomplish this way, how do I accomplish it using this new stack, right? Yep. And it's it's not always trivial to do that. Yeah, no, especially I think the Nuxt hasn't been that bad. Um, GraphQL, the transition from from REST to GraphQL was not small mm -hmm. um, because it's a, it's a whole new way of 
of thinking and we love it now, you know, it's, it's, it's fantastic. But I think those kind of major paradigm shifts, they're risky for developers and they're risky for projects. And so you never like, I am, I'm all like, I don't like risk. So we're, we're mitigating that as, as much as possible. And so as I look at the PHP landscape, I don't think there are any major risks there right now. You know, there, there are CMSs, which, you know, some of us used to use and some of us may or may not have moved away from because we saw the writing on the wall. You know, it's like, I need to, I need to maybe invest in some other resources right now. Are you talking about anything specific or just rhetorical? (laughs) You know, I think, I think that, that PHP has really had a big like renaissance moment, like a, a really substantial inflection point in the last couple of years, largely spurred on by the the oncoming of modern frameworks like Laravel. Mm-hmm. There, there was a period in PHP development where I think a lot of people, like there was a very legitimate case to be made for PHP is stagnating and we are writing worse code as a result of it and along comes javascript and even in its like infancy you know things like you know node and and meteor and like really like javascript as a really modern programming environment was extremely enticing and i think that that it's very fortunate for php the php ecosystem that php sort of like got its act together with the help of of some of these modern frameworks and and sort of had this phoenix feeling moment where we said oh okay we can take php seriously like as computer scientists and as modern programmers we can start taking php seriously again and and that was sort of you know that felt tenuous for a little bit but i i think that you know a lot of times we very rarely talk tech stack in in the sales process we're very fortunate that that we can sort of we have been able to sell solutions without needing to to sell specific technologies. And when we do have a conversation that includes like some pushback around PHP, it's almost always because some CTO once upon a time, you know, was a WordPress developer and like that is their <laughs> their experience of PHP. And and we can kind of say, oh, well, take a look at, at where PHP is now. Uh, and and all the ways that it is actually a, a really modern ecosystem and and that i don't know i i'm probably like a little bit fortunate in that way like maybe just pulling lucky cards but but that conversation has always been been pretty easy to go yeah i see where you're coming from but but this is this is the new reality of php and um and some light bulbs will, will go off yeah and i as i've said many times Pick a language, I can build garbage with it, right? So the proficiency that you have in a particular thing is going to make a big difference. And Phil, correct me if I'm wrong, but it sounds like you are saying that we are highly proficient at building this stuff using Laravel. Laravel? Laravel? Um, We're highly proficient building this stuff, and that's why we're using it. Correct. Yeah. I mean, that sounds reasonable, but now I got another tough question for you. So you're talking about building essentially applications that are using three major kind of different tech stacks, right? Mm-hmm. So you're talking about using Vue on the front end. You're talking about using Laravel on the back end. And then you're talking about using Craft CMS in the mix as well for some projects, right? Yep. And, and I think that that made total sense 
for craft two, because it really was kind of like, you know, more of a, a CMS than anything else. Have you revisited that with craft three and it really being a E2 web app and, and ever looked at something and said, Hey, this API ish thing, you know, we can use E2 to build the API ish thing. We don't need Laravel for this. Has yeah, that, that entered the conversation? That I, I have, I have thought about that. I, I think that the, there, there are a couple things there. So, you know, when we're like, when we, we hire someone new um, that does not know PHP, I want to get them ramped up on PHP and specifically the stack we're using as quickly as possible. Laravel has arguably the best training across the board in terms of learning web. You know, the stuff oh, Jeffrey Way has done on Laracast is, is unreal. We've taken a programmer that knows the new Python and had them a productive member of the team within three months just with uh, a little code review and Laracast. I could definitely not do that with Yi. Also, the adoption of Yi is really minimal in the States. It's much larger um, in you know Eastern Europe. But mm-hmm. the the community around Yi just, uh, it's kind of sad looking compared to Laravel. And that's not a criticism of Yi at all. I just think the the ecosystem is is not is not as strong as Laravel. And and I would agree with that from the point of view of there there is no, there's nothing even close to Laracast for Yi. And there just isn't. Um, and I think we can't understate how important training materials are for onboarding people, for getting people up to speed with the tech stack we're using. And then also how important the community is in terms of if I have a question about some kind of sticky Yee 2 problem, am I going to get that answered as quickly as I will with a problem I had with Laravel? And the answer is probably and not. I think we talked about right? this before on another podcast, but <clears throat> it seems like Laravel is just extremely good at marketing itself. I mean, like yes. all of their sites, really beautiful, really great aesthetic, really nice marketing. Their, their documentation is Stella great. Documentation, mm-hmm. everything looks wonderful about Laravel. Cut to Yi, and it just kind of, you know, this is like a complete 180. They're, they're sort of really terrible at marketing themselves. Oh yeah, I, I actually I, I hadn't looked at Yi in a while, and so I went to the Yi two docs, and I'm on this page that's titled um, "Start Your Workflow," and it has this diagram, and it is I just don't even know what's happening. Um, <laughs> I'm like I I thought I was smart until I went here. I must not. Uh, I'm, know what I'm, I'm looking at it right now. Yeah, ridiculous. <laughs> I, I but um, you know the the other thing for me is that so Craft sits on top of Yi, and Yi and Laravel are comparable. The closer you get down to, you know, the bare metal is what I'm going to invest in. Mm. And so, you know, you can layer like like JavaScript, right? Like how many JavaScript frameworks have we seen come and go over the past five years? Do you guys remember Knockout? That was that was awesome. Mm. Um, I haven't written Knockout in a long time. So the the higher up we go into the front end land, you know, um, or, or, or CMS land, it that is a little less of an investment. You know, I really, I need to know Twig. That's the, that's the thing I need to know for craft. I think in in terms of the data structures, we could certainly learn that and learn the schema and learn the, the, uh, E APIs, but it, it just hasn't made sense for us to do that. The other thing that I'm always looking at when looking at building, um, and this was back when I was doing expression engine, you always feel like it's a good idea to add application 
type functionality to a CMS. You know, we saw this with all the plugins that were in the expression engine community. Like there's a friends plugin. You could have the like social network in there. But the reality of a CMS is it comes with all this stuff. And it comes with like, you know, like uh, what does craft come with? It comes with users and different types of content storage, um, Mm. you know, categories. And all of that code, when you don't need it as a liability, because if we're deploying an app, you know, that has... The, that that let's say it's a it's a some kind of high vector app you know people are going to be tacking it or whatever i want the code footprint on that to be as minimal as possible Absolutely. to eliminate potential vectors so that that's the other reason that when we're looking at an application like typically we're doing something with data and typically that data should not get out into the open and right. so i want to make sure that the developers working on that project have as deep an understanding and control over that application architecture as possible. Right. So then the question is, well, okay, so for this API-ish thing, maybe that we don't need craft, but why don't we just build a E2 app to do it? And I think you answered that very eloquently earlier, which is that the community and the documentation around Laravel is just way, way better. And and I think that's a, a really super important thing, you know, just because a particular tech stack is very capable of solving the problem doesn't mean it's the best choice, mm-hmm. right? And that's going to dictate your client's interest in the tech stack. Because if I go to a client and say, hey, I want to I want to build this in E2, the first thing they're going to do is talk to their you know IT guy and be like, hey, go look at E2, let me know what you think. And they're, and they're going to say what? Yeah, their eyes are going to, you know, bulge out of their head. Their little blood will trickle down their nose and they'll be like, eh, I don't know what this means. Well, okay. So here's a tough question for you, Phil. Yeah. We're going to, we're going to wind back in time and we're going to switch bodies. You are now Brandon Kelly and craft is something that you're thinking about building. What PHP framework do you pick to build it on? Uh, you know, I, I, that is not something pick, I can you answer. Yeah. Well, you know, was, at the application. Hold on, hold on. Let him let him answer. Go ahead, Phil. Uh, I I don't know because back when so 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 Brandon originally back then it was blocks and this was back in two thousand and nine was it was at San Fran it was in the San Francisco Expression Engine Conference that he was demo demoing blocks. Right back then, Laravel might have been V one, maybe. <sighs> You're right. It I, was a trick question. Laravel wasn't around. It, it, oh, it wasn't around? It wasn't around. Okay. It was, it was Kenyon Lake, um, uh, the Kenyon Lake EE conference, the last EE conference before the new EE conference. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, but that was a conversation because Laravel, uh, uh, Terra had started building Laravel, and I think it might have been V1 at that point. I, th- I think it was... It, I think it was actually released because they were talking about spinning up a conference around it. Um, mm. Just the very, very early, early days of, of those conversations. And they looked at, at Laravel uh, and it just wasn't, wasn't ready yet. Um, yeah, not ready for prime time. And, and Yi also, despite not having you know, quite the same adoption in the States, really was a... And, and is a beautiful, like enterprise capable PHP framework. It's modern in many of the same ways that, uh, that Laravel is modern. There's a lot of, of similarities between them, um, just like philosophically. And, and I don't think it was, it was a bad choice at all. Like, I, I don't, I don't feel like we're locked into, you know, a thing that feels like unsupported or, or anything. Like, I think Yi was the solid choice. I think if, if they were building craft now, they might, be able to look differently at, at Laravel, but I remember that that was that was all right. Well, that that yeah. that tees up my next question. 
So, Phil, once again, we're going to go back in time. You are Brandon Kelly. You are looking at rewriting Craft CMS to work on Yi2. You are seriously looking at uh, maybe rewriting it using Laravel. What do you think? Like, what what choice would you make? Would you say, "All right, you know, we're going to bite the bullet and we're going to we're going to refactor it on Laravel," or would you continue on course with Yi2? That, that's an interesting question, um, and I'm not going to give you the answer you want because There's if, no I, was, answer I, want. <laughs> if I if I was Brandon, he he has all of the data about the customers, hmm. um, and Kraft has a has a very solid international presence, right. and so I'm sure porting Craft um, to to Laravel would make a lot of uh, U.S. based developers happy. Hmm. Um, but honestly, like I think they're they're just different tools, and even if Craft was built on Laravel. We, I would like when it comes to build an application, I probably wouldn't, I wouldn't spin up a, an application and a CMS in the same repo. Sure, I would, you keep, would still, I would keep those separate. Right. You would still build a separate one, but then you would have one tech stack that both things yeah. are built on. Right. Yeah. That, that's true. And, and, uh, but t- to me, like, I, I have enough faith in Pixel and Tonic and the craft ecosystem that I am not horribly worried about, you know, I think, I think Brandon is over there making good decisions about tech. And I want him to own that. And I want him to make sure that his team is as productive as possible. And so a strong component of not moving to Laravel is maybe the developers on the team are super, super proficient rock stars at Yee. Right. Um, so yeah, again, like it's just a tool. It's, it's, you know, what are you good at? What can you, what can you get this stuff done in? And you know, what can you maintain for the, for the long term? So, I mean, I don't, I don't have anything against ye at all. It's just not what, not our preferred tool for some things. Yeah. And that, that makes complete sense. And it's what you're going to, in the end of the day, the client doesn't care or usually doesn't care what tech stack you're using. Pick what you think the best solutions are and what you're best at using to build it, right? And and that's going to change. I guarantee you that's going to change in five years anyway. Yep. <laughs> yeah. You know? Yeah. So that, that makes complete sense to me from uh, that perspective. Now, do you have any advice for people that, you know, they may be proficient PHP developers, but they're interested in learning Laravel? Like, what would you tell someone? Like, let's say that some kind of strange singularity happened and you said, Andrew, I'm going to hire you, but I need you to learn Laravel because that's what we're building stuff with. What would you tell me to do? I would tell you to go grab Imposer and pull it on in and start playing with controllers. You know, the, the best thing I feel like, what is it? Is it analysis paralysis when you spend, um, when you spend like five years of your time watching a screencast on how to build something like <laughs> I, 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 I've been there. Don't do that. Right. Watch a couple uh, Laracast videos. A bunch of them are free. Mess around with it. And then find, um, we, we started doing this just this year. We have uh, in our Slack, we have a mentors, a mentors channel. And we invite just random people. Most of them are Laravel or view based. Right. And they just ask us questions. And so find someone who could mentor you in Laravel. Because there are so many, like with any language or with any framework, there's so many gotchas. So, you know, like whether it's like, how do I perform this type of, you know, this type of procedure or whatever, just find a Laravel developer who's senior, who can help you with it, spend a couple months, um, you know, build a little app, build, you know, you can build yourself a to-do app. I don't know. But uh, that that would be my advice. Uh, Laravel, Laracast is just a phenomenal resource. Uh, Laravel Slack is good as well. We get yeah, I, Phil's I think you- uh, personal cell phone number. Um, before yeah. the podcast is over for anyone who wants 
Yeah, you can you can text yeah, me. Text Bill. Oh no, I'm going to call you in the middle of the <laughs> night. <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> no, but I, I don't know. I again, we're getting back to this. The Laracast, the value of it just can't be understated. Uh-huh. Like, if you want people to adopt whatever your technology is, make the documentation good and build training resources around it. And and that is how you grow interest and grow a community because you're, you're then training people, you know, everyone learns in different ways. I have found that whenever I subscribe to someone's video series or buy someone's video series, I usually watch like two or three of the videos. <laughs> yep. And, and then I go off and I just build something because I learn better by building stuff. Yep. Um, and occasionally if, if I'm stuck on something, I'll try and find a video that addresses specifically that in the series but I am, I am probably, I'm just terrible when it comes to these things because I'll buy them and then I'll watch like two out of a hundred episodes, you know, and then by then I'm off building stuff, you know? So, so let me ask you a question and I'm going to give you a real world, a real world scenario here. This is an app that we're currently working on. So let's say you need to build a web app that allows teachers to log in and assign their students homework and these homework come this this homework comes in the form of challenges which is like reading and then multiple choice questions and fill in the blank and all this stuff and you your so your students can log in your teachers can log in and assign them stuff and all that type of thing what would you consider build because we we really thought about building at least the content management portion of this app in in craft we didn't end up doing it it's all it's all laravel with a bunch of custom nova stuff um but for an app like that what how would you approach it so who is going to be actually building the challenges would that be the teachers uh no the challenges would all be pre-populated by the the part of the product offering is the lesson content i mean honestly i probably would go the route that you did because in that equation i'm not seeing where a cms is benefiting a whole lot yeah you got user management you have this idea of you know you can just like model out all your content in an entry with some custom fields and you know you'll have to write a whole bunch of like weird validators to to store and control the flow of data but you could definitely do it oh yeah no i mean you could you could do that with any number of tools yeah wordpress man yeah Uh, and an approach that i've taken uh that jonathan and i have both taken is that there are certain technologies that we really would like to be on board and doing stuff with. Mm-hmm. And when a project comes along that we think would be a good case for that, uh, that's when we decide that we're going to then apply it and start using it there. But in, in, in this case, what you're talking about, I don't know. I mean, I'm not seeing a huge gain from the CMS. If you were telling me that the teachers would be able to log in and, and build these lessons and you would need all that kind of complex interaction, then maybe I would consider using a CMS on the back end for it. But with it being pre-populated with all this stuff, I mean, yeah, you got to do user management, but so I, the- I probably would go with some kind of a custom app. I would definitely be using Vue on the front end, potentially Nuxt, I mean, depending on how often this stuff changed. And then I would just have it connecting and I would probably use GraphQL because I'm just all on board with it to connect with some kind of an API, whether it's in uh, Node or Laravel or E2 or whatever. Uh, and that would be my API server. And I would like that division of labor because if they ever wanted an app made for it, that would make that even easier to do, you know. So that's mm-hmm. probably how just off my cuff, how I would approach it. 
One of the other things that we've kind of started thinking through as we make rec- uh, technology recommendations to clients is like the end business goal. And so like it is the end business goal that you're going to replace this in a year with some enterprise system is the end goal business goal acquisition, specifically if it's acquisition, we try like like I would not build anything on craft because I want to make sure that I, I'm not a lawyer. I have to say that, but the licensing really matters in that acquisition. Mm, um, right. And so I want a, te- a piece of technology that can be scaled out, resold, no limitations, right? So as we're even adding, you know, Laravel uh, package, you know, other packages, um, PHP packages, like we're, I'm watching the licenses. I want to make sure we're not restricted, especially if we know the client is going down an acquisition or a funding route because you you can end up in awkward situations otherwise. Well, if I knew that, if I knew that this was an, an acquisition and I wanted venture capital or I wanted to be acquired, like I would, I would go full on Node. Yeah, I would do, I would do everything in Node and JavaScript because that's where the investors live, and that that's a buzzword they're looking for. Yep. Yeah. the The reason that we we uh, really liked Nuxt is because uh, I think you I think you talked about this on your Jamstack podcast is that you know you can just swap out the backend. You have all your data in Postgres. You build your initial APIs with Laravel, and then someone wants someone wants it in Node, someone wants it in Go. Well, that we can build that. It's just yeah. data. Yeah, exactly. And you're you're segmenting and compartmentalizing it. Yep. Yeah. And, and one of the so here's a, a perfect example. So we're interested in building some SPA type stuff, right, Jonathan? We talked about that for some upcoming yep. projects that we might be doing them SPA right. style. So what we've decided to do as part of our R&D phase is the, the devmode.fm uh, website itself, we're going to rebuild it as an SPA. Cool. And we're going to do that sort of as a, a test to see what are the, because we're, we're fundamentally going to be changing a whole lot of our workflow and processes and all that kind of stuff. So we want to try it out with a non-critical project, but something that is real world and see what the the good and the bad parts of that are. So if you are. notice the dev mode website go down in the next couple of weeks, you'll know what's going on. Yeah, <laughs> yeah exactly. Yeah, you have a, an error in your uh, package, compu- package, <laughs> package JSON right. file. But do, do you ever do test projects like that, Phil, where uh, you're not like you, uh, let's say there's a, a technology that you think would be really interesting, but it is a big burden potentially to change all of your processes over. Do you ever do those kind of little R&D projects with them? Not, not in a long time. We, we used to do a lot more kind of R&D stuff internally, you know, just play around. Um, lately we kind of budget that into projects you know if if we have a project that we know would be a better fit for x technology you know when we're when we're putting together the timeline for that we'll plan a week or two weeks of of r&d so yeah it, it, as long as as long as that learning has a purpose um you know we do have some downtime where people will just look at whatever they want but typically the projects vary enough that every project you know we're learning something new yeah, and that, that actually is the case in the project that I'm speaking of is that it is a big enough project with enough of an R&D budget in it that mm-hmm. we're going to be doing this as part of R&D for that project. We just decided to pick a real world something to build with it. You know what I mean? So it is going to be part of that larger project that's totally unrelated to dev mode. But why not use dev mode, the website as a guinea pig to just to see? Because 
there are a number of different routes that we could go in terms of what technologies we're going to use to build this thing. And we would like to explore them to see what the the pros and cons are uh, of using these various approaches, you know? Cool. And, and we're not, Jonathan, we haven't made up our mind yet in terms of what we're actually going to do. We want to use these little experiments to kind of figure that out, right? Yeah, I mean, I think the idea obviously behind it is you you don't want to get into the middle of a project after having already ramped it up to discover um, a major flaw in your thinking um, behind how you're going to build it. Uh And so um, that's not the time to realize that you've made a mistake in picking uh, whatever technology you've chosen. And so I think that that's, that's a pretty reasonable approach is to, you know, in your downtime and your spare time, if you're considering um, a new technology uh, that you're going to try to roll out in a future uh, production project, build a little, build a little test site with it, or sort of pick a project that maybe the stakes aren't as high. Maybe it's like a smaller brochure type site or something like that, uh, where you can sort of use that as like a a little playground for yourself and see how it works for you. So, Phil, I mean, you're using Nuxt for this uh, a number of projects. Are you using it as a static generator and you're deploying the you're using Nuxt generate and you're actually deploying the static files or are you using it um, no. on, on its own, just rendering the, the data on the on the server? Yeah, it's um, so so we build it and then we start it. And so it's an active process. OK. So you've got an express server running there and you maybe have an Nginx proxy that it sits in front of it. Yeah, we, we this is just just a, a Heroku box. We have like a one dyno um, okay. and it just sits up there and churns away. Now, have you found any? I know we're straying a little bit away from the topic of Laravel, but I think this is actually very connected because a lot of people that are using Lar- Laravel, Laravel, whatever, mm-hmm. La- whatever, yep. are using... <laughs> are not using Blade anymore. I mean, maybe some people are, but a lot of people are, have adopted Vue or React. Yeah. So they're you're using something else to render it on the front end. Have you run into issues where you've had performance issues where nothing actually gets rendered uh, until JavaScript is instantiated and hydrated and all that kind of fun stuff? Or has it been pretty um, smooth sailing for you? There, there certainly can be performance issues. You know, a lot of that obviously is going to depend on your your application design and you know what your queries look like, and so that's that's something that definitely comes up during development, and we identify that before we identify those bottlenecks before it hits production, or it's an application that's not um, not public facing, and so latency is okay. Yeah, um, who cares? <laughs> yeah, you know, it's like uh, we talk to clients like, yeah, we can spend you know a week fixing this, or you can wait, you know. 500 milliseconds. It's up to you. They don't yeah. care. And, and and that makes sense. But that's sort of been my conundrum is when we've been talking about for this project, should we make it a full-on SPA, right? And if we make it a full-on SPA, what are the downsides and what are the upsides? Yep. So the, the downsides are that the whole pipeline has moved in terms of where stuff is done. You have a whole new set of challenges in terms of are we just going to run this an express server that effectively is um, putting JavaScript in place of PHP on the server? Are we going to pre-generate the, page, the static pages and then deploy them that way? You know, there is just a whole lot of things to consider. Um, and that's why we're looking at doing a nice R&D phase on this to, to settle at the right solution for the, the client when we're doing this stuff. But I think it's an interesting conversation to have relevant to Laravel. Mm-hmm. 
Marvel. I'm never going to get it right. Um, because we probably are going to be using some kind of front-end framework to our API, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, I mean, we we've like I said, we've really enjoyed Nuxt. Um, there are there are a bunch of other platforms like that, but you know, as long as as long as you understand your way around um, servers and performance, like we we have not had any major issues. Like we've done just Vuex apps, which which are fine. You know, really the the latency is going to come from the API request, especially like Nuxt does all the code splitting for you. It's highly performant. I I was actually pretty proud of ourselves. Um, I went and did the lighthouse test and I was like, Oh, Andrew, Andrew would give me the thumbs up here where we're, we got good, good marks. Um, well, yeah. Yeah. If you're running it on the server, then you eliminate some of that problem of, yeah. you know, the, the traditional way is that you, you just load it on the front end, but then you got to wait until it loads. You got to have it mount. It's got to do all this kind of stuff. So it makes sense that you've taken that approach with it. Yeah. And I mean, the, the queries that were the, Again, it's just query design. If you can optimize your queries, you can get this stuff lightning fast. So, and I've, I've worked on some projects like that where they are not public facing sites, mm-hmm. and it was kind of nice because I'm like, you know what? A lot of this crap, like I just don't have to worry about it. You know, like like who cares what the uh, the time to first bite or the time to first paint is? It doesn't make se- it doesn't matter for this particular installation. It's already up and running. You know. Yep. Yeah. So it's really cool. So. If you were advising someone who is getting into the web development business now, would you recommend Laravel as something to learn? Uh, I I definitely think so. And I think so for a couple of reasons. Uh, one, PHP is something that you can get up and running really, really fast. You know, like I, I'm, I know, I, I think, Michael, you're an advocate for MAMP. I'm not so much, but that's okay. We can agree to disagree. I, I am decreasingly so, but I am. <laughs> But, you know, install MAMP and there you go. Um, You can start playing with basic PHP or basic programming fundamentals. You can set up an array, you can loop through it, you can play with variables. I, you know, you can do that with any language, but, but I think PHP is fairly accessible. I also think the Laravel community specifically, and and very similar to the craft community is incredibly inviting. Mm -hmm. Um, You will not experience that so much in JavaScript or Rails land or or even Python, you know, because it's just like a culture thing. Um, The people don't seem to be as open to newcomers. Um, And so for that, that reason alone, I think that I think that Laravel um, is a good choice. Really easy onboarding. I think that's the other thing that Laravel is great about. You know, you can you can spin up a Laravel app and understand it as a, a pretty young novice. Um, or you can do some pretty crazy advanced, you know, design patterns uh, with Laravel. So it, it's not something, it's something, it's PHP and Laravel, I think, will grow with the developer. I, I will say that I think in terms of getting something up and running quickly, I've been amazed at the progress that has been made, especially in the Vue community with mm-hmm. Vue CLI. Yeah. Like, you, you don't have to worry about, like, what version of PHP is installed? Do I need a a tool like MAMP or Valet or whatever. You don't need anything. Like yep. you just you just start the Vue CLI up, it spins up in a server and you're you're developing. Yep. You know? Which I think is uh I think that's pretty impressive. Jonathan, you gonna build something in Laravel? Absolutely. I mean I probably will. Like I yeah. I mean just going back to what we were talking about, even if I'm not gonna build I, I probably wouldn't pick, you know, the next project on my on the docket, the next client project I have, but um I can definitely see, you know, maybe playing around with it over the holiday here, seeing what I can, seeing what I can get into with it. It's something that's always been in the back of my mind. I've just never found a solid 
a solid use case for doing it. Just getting back to what I was talking about earlier about how I've always been able to sort of lean on craft uh, to handle some of the business logic. Now, it seems like you guys are maybe doing a little bit more in, in the way of uh, a business logic than what uh, we typically do. But still, it's um, it's it would be something cool to play with at the very least. I think it's gotten even better with Craft 3 being built on Yi 2. You, you can just build a module that runs alongside Craft, and it can do whatever the hell you want, and it doesn't have to depend on any of the craft yeah. infrastructure you know yeah the the like i've looked at that as well the issue so may, maybe you can educate me on this so a lot of the times you know you have a business process that when a certain item gets saved you have to run it through a pipeline whether it's for sanitization or distribution or whatever and so in the past when we've needed to do that with craft we have a little plugin and we have an on save event and we just watch for you know that that section to to save or be updated and then we process it through is is that still how you do it with craft three well it would depend on what it was and where it lived right yeah. so if the if the data ultimately lived in the cms and needed to live in the cms because users needed to edit it or interact with it then yeah there would be something like that but the the same uh sanitization pipeline that you're doing it definitely could be done via a, a e2 module or whatever but I, I, hearkening back to what you were saying before, I do agree with you that there is value in separating out the API-ish stuff. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so I would be tempted to, whatever I wrote that in, I would be tempted to break and separate that from the CMS regardless, just as a best practices type of thing. But for the simpler cases where you just need to do X, Y, or Z, there is some amazing flexibility that you get by being able to build essentially just a Y2 app alongside craft you mm-hmm. know for a lot mm-hmm. of stuff yeah the 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 sort of fil- architectural question that that i tend to ask is like whatever whatever logic you're writing how closely related is it to the functioning of the cms itself and whatever data you're processing how near to the the data schema of the content like does it need to live and and there's a lot of cases where I would absolutely advocate keeping your your custom logic in a Y2 module close to the CMS, like even dare I say highly coupled with the API of of the CMS. And you know, and and again, I love Yi, and I especially love Yi2. But I think if if the data that you're processing doesn't really need to live in the same store or in the same schema as the CMS. And if the business logic that you're performing on it is not closely related to the functions of the CMS, then that's that's a case, you know, for like building a little microservice somewhere else and and isolating that and just letting it be single purpose and external and, and that's that's cool too. I, I think that for a lot of craft developers, there's some additional merit to working close to craft and working in Yi because you have so much convention to you know to look at and and to draw inspiration from I guess you know just from looking at how craft does things and and I actually find like for me that is sort of a a key difference that I perceive um, specifically between Yi and Laravel is Laravel is a super 
easy framework to understand like from ground zero, both because of the resources that are there, but also just I think because of just because of how it's it's set up, it feels easy to start from zero with Laravel. And Yi, um, and and maybe this is just like my experience and how I came to Yi through Craft, but Yi has always seemed easier to parse by working backwards from a thing in Yi that already exists. And and I'll just like go spelunking through source code and you know, I'll start in some craft API method and I'll like drill my way down through the craft inheritance path and then eventually I'll get to a, a Yi class and then I'll drill myself further down through the Yi inheritance path. Um, and that's how I have sort of explored and learned Yi is is by working backwards from from stuff that, that already exists. Whereas my experience of learning Laravel has been watch some Laracasts and read the Laravel documentation <laughs> and, and start from from the ground up. And so like I feel like maybe that experience might be be similar for other for other developers, especially devs working in craft, that it's really nice if if you're building a thing that's related to craft to not have to start from zero in another thing, but just be able to to look at how craft does a thing and maybe tweak it a little bit and put it in your own module and and start incrementally soaking up ye that way um i um i, I would actually be interested in in like in knowing how similar that that difference is for for other devs i find ye so much easier to to soak up well, from the top down to to get to get back to your original question phil i mean it, it wouldn't even necessarily be that I would tightly couple it with craft. It's that ye has a lot of this stuff built in that you want. They've got validators for stuff. They've got behaviors. They've got all sorts of nice tools to do it. But ultimately, the question then is getting back to proficiency, right? So if you are already fantastic Laravel developers, I don't know. I mean, I guess there's no real reason to do it in ye too, especially if it's going to be a logically separated process to handle this stuff. Um, yeah. But just know that the ability is there if you wanted to do that, right? Yeah, um, it's just it's all just a tool. Right. Use the tools you have. Do a good job. Be nice to people. Go spend time with your family, period. But, you know, pursuant to that, though, we, you and I have had discussions off air. Like, when I was looking at rebuilding SEOmatic, I was very much considering building it into a platform agnostic tool, mm-hmm. at least the core of it. Mm-hmm. And I was looking at Laravel as like, you know, okay, how could I leverage this in the the Laravel universe? But it, I couldn't come up with a good way that it could be monetized if I did that. And then also, it seems like it might not even be the right fit because a lot of the a lot of the sites that are being built are not necessarily brochure ish sites that would benefit from that type of SEO, right? Yep. Yeah. That that that's totally true. Yeah, so I, how do we make money as a Laravel developer <laughs> doing doing custom apps and doing training, right? That's it. Training that, and that, custom apps. Those are your only options. I mean, we so we we've started writing our, our own SaaS products. Um, you can obviously there is a plethora. There's a lot of work to do in terms of you know consulting. But then yeah, you know you can try training. Jeffrey uh, Way has that has that market pretty cornered though. Yeah, you're pretty screwed. Yeah. <laughs> no, but that's not. I mean, that's not entirely true. So Adam Wathan has done mm-hmm. incredibly well with his. Uh, his book on what is it refactoring yeah he has into collections yeah right? he, he has another one he has a great view course too 
Yes. Um, yeah, you know, I think I I'm think on listen to on that one too. Oh, I, ju- good, I just got a Black Friday email from him actually. <laughs> if anybody's looking to, to do some learning, go buy Adam's stuff for, on Black Friday. Man, right. Adam is on point. <laughs> Sorry, go Man, ahead. Phil. It's it's not Black Friday yet. I feel like we need to explain how how days work because I keep getting <laughs> Black Friday emails and I'm like, no, it yeah, it's, it's not that time yet. We need to. We need to work on our days of the week here. Um, yeah, I, need, I need to be doped up on tryptophan before I consider it. <laughs> um, but yeah, you know, I, I think consulting and and building your own apps is really the the way to monetize um, to mon- to monetize Laravel. But the average person who is a web developer and they they build a lot of client facing sites, maybe some kind of a CMS would make more sense. Yeah, I, I think again, it, it comes down to the need from the client and the client. The, when when we the first app, I'm trying to think of the first Laravel app we did, man, it's it's been a while. Um, it, it really just came down to there's only so far you can bend, uh, at least the CMSs of the time. There's only so much you could do, and it was clear that like this is kind of we're going to draw a line in the sand here and we're going to build this as an app. I would say the, your first Laravel app should not be a public facing marketing site. Build a data processing thing. Build a thing that's going to receive an email and parse it out and, you know, send it to Slack or text it out or put it into a database and process it from there. You know, build build a data application that that utilizes queues that that will be a good first uh, first Laravel app. And then, you know, j- just because there are so many considerations that are going to be more difficult if you're building a fr- uh, an application that's more marketing centric, for example, SEO. It's a pain to do, especially if it needs to be managed. Um, you're not going to get close. Would write a plugin. If only someone would write a Laravel plugin for SEO management, that would make my. Uh, but that that very real. That's like that's one of the main reasons we were like, all right, we need a craft install that's going to serve the marketing site because I do not want to go through and try to parse build this JSON uh, LD object. I don't want to deal with that. So we're just going to have craft do it. We'll, we'll pull it down. I have a tough question for both of you, and I would like to hear both of your answers. I am married. I'm not that. I'm, well, you, you do have kind of a nice voice, I'm but down. I'm not. I'm not. <laughs> Michael's down for anything. All right. No. the The tough question is: Do you think it would be easier to build a marketing site in Craft Three that then needs to have API ish functionality added to it, or would it be easier to build a Laravel app that is an API that then needs to have content management added to it? Phil, go ahead. <laughs> it depends on. I think if it was if it was me, I would sit down with a client. I would understand both of those needs. And no, no, let's say that let's say that one thing was built right initially. The spec was uh, we need a marketing site, and then on the other side, initially the spec was we need an API, and then they came back and and they. They flipped on you and they said, okay, to this marketing site, I need an API added. And then to this API that you built out, I need a CMS added. Which that do you has, think would be that easier? That has never do? happened to me. I'm just kidding. <laughs> it happens like every day. All right, um, so w- which do you think would be easier to scale up and do? I think it would. Craft just has such an advantage from content a content perspective. You know, if you're building comp, like the stuff you can do with matrix, that would take a long time to build yeah. in Laravel. So if they're utilizing matrix matrix type functionality, 
I would say let's let's just build this bad boy in in Yi with craft. If it's not matrix type functionality, I would I would say there are a lot of really strong reasons you should go um, uh, you should go with Laravel, especially when it comes to you know like if you're actually I guess craft has GraphQL. When you're looking at like permissioning an API, I think that would be more difficult for my team to do in craft CMS. Um, so if you're looking at a complicated API, we would want to build that in, in Laravel and then just add content management on top of it. Michael, what do you think? Um, well, and you when, can't say it depends. That's what I said. Yeah, I mean it does depend, but I'll, I'll, oh, I'll answer. Okay, so I'll answer it from from a couple different angles. Firstly, when you're talking about CMS functionality, a a huge piece of that is author experience. And, right. and the importance of author experience to the overall content management process. And if the content being managed and the workflow for managing it requires a complex author experience, then I think starting from the CMS and you know, letting a, a, another well-equipped team handle all of that for you you know, in the form of delivering you a nice CMS project and then a uh, product and then building an API on top of that is definitely the way to go. If the the workflow for content management is less heavy on author experience and the functionality of the API is extremely more complex, then you know, that's a case for building to the you know, the convenience of the API development rather than the the CMS development. I think it's worth noting that like, this isn't really a Craft v. Laravel question um, because there are good content management systems built on Laravel. And so if I was in a project where there was going to be an API component and it was going to be super complex and I knew that I really wanted to build it in Laravel, then I would probably look to start with the groundwork of a Laravel-based CMS because there are good ones. So I, mean, I don't know. I've I have built APIs in Craft, like in Yi, on top of a Craft site, and I have also built API layers in Lumen on top of a Craft site that interact either directly with Craft's database or in, uh, directly with Craft's uh, internal APIs, um, but serve the API serve the actual API like not through craft but through through a, a layer on top um, or, or out to the side have have definitely done that and these technologies in my experience do play nicely with each other so I, I really don't think it's a craft v Laravel question I think it's a where is the vast majority of your complexity and how do you want to handle that complexity and then make the other decisions in your project subservient to that yeah and i I thought you were going to call me out on it michael because it actually is kind of a dumb question in the real world and the the reason it's a dumb question is that the reality is that there are plenty of cms's out there that if you did have a requirement to add a cms to your api that you built in laravel you can say oh okay well let's hook up to contentful boom done you know or let's hook up to sanity.io or whatever but I think it is interesting. Uh, the reason I asked the question is it kind of does reveal to some extent where these things kind of sit on the spectrum of technologies that we can leverage. 
And I think you can get really, really far with Craft CMS. So you get the fantastic content authoring, and then you can also add on kind of whatever APIs that you need or want to. And then on the flip side, with Laravel, you can do the exquisitely customized, what's what's that fancy word that they, oh, bespoke. You can do the (laughs) bespoke implementation for a client that can do exactly what you need. And then if you do want the CMSE functionality as well, and you don't feel like building that yourself, there are any number of content management as a services out there that you can hook up to, right? Sure. Yeah. Well, Phil, this has been a fantastic discussion and I want to thank you for coming on. This is, uh, we're coming up right before Thanksgiving. So I hope both of you have a fantastic Thanksgiving and everyone who's listening, I hope you have a fantastic Thanksgiving, but that about wraps it up for another episode of the devmode.fm podcast. To have every episode delivered to your favorite podcast player, subscribe to our RSS or subscribe via iTunes or Google play. And if you like what we're doing, leave us a review. You can follow us on Twitter at devmode.fm. We'd love to hear your thoughts on this episode. Just leave a comment on the devmode.fm website for the devmode.fm podcast. I'm Andrew Welch. I'm Michael Rogg. And on behalf of Jonathan Melville, who has already signed off, we wish you a very happy Thanksgiving. Thanks, Phil. Happy Thanksgiving. Bye.